Good evening and welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 33 through 37. And I've titled the message tonight, um, Oaths and Honesty. And it's a difficult text for most of us because there are going to be so many different views to this text. Well, let's pray and ask God for illumination. And Lord, that's what we desire, that you would illuminate your text by the Holy Spirit, that you would give us understanding, that you would help us to understand the truth of your scripture as you explain it tonight. Lord, that we will not be legalists and will not take it to the other extreme. But Lord, that we would honor you with our lives, that all we do, all we say, we do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read our text together. It's there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. It says again, You have heard the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of the, for his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, or you cannot make one hair, or black, white or black, but let your statement be a yes and a yes, or no, no, and anything beyond this is evil. People for years have divided over this text, and, and basically the reason people divide over the text is because they don't want to understand the text. Sometimes people know the text, but what they do is they suppress the truth. They don't evaluate everything that God says on a, a certain topic. And so we, we see and misunderstand so many things. Sometimes we say, well, so-and-so said it, and we believe it because so-and-so said it. But what did God say? Well, when God had given his law, he gave it to Moses on Mount Sinai, if you remember, and it was there, it was to be understood, it was to be reasonable, it was to be necessary, and it was to be unchanging in every way. Now, it's important to understand that the law was written on tablets of stone. And the law of God gave was, it was civil, and it was ceremonial, and it was moral. The ceremonial law concerned worship and sacrifice and priest and purification. It was designed to show Israel was different from the heathen nations. It was also foreshadowed the gospel and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Now the civil laws, they were a little different. They were given really to, to govern the Jews as a nation. These laws included the Ten Commandments. And, and I've heard it put this way, they're not necessarily just Ten Commandments, but tender, loving commandments. Just as a, a mother and father will give commands to the kids to protect them and keep them. And that's what God did. He gave us these tender, loving commandments. Well, this included what was called the, the moral law, the conscience of humanity, the moral law that makes an impact up on a person for salvation. The moral law was that part of the law that was taught and, and moved more fully to the Jews in the Ten Commandments. The moral law is summed up in the teachings of Jesus. That's what we're looking now in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's important that he will deal with those that abuse the law. Well, God gave again the law so that the people could know what was expected of them, both morally and then spiritually. 
However, there was those who followed the letter of the law while breaking the spirit of the law. And there was the, the scribes and the Pharisees in the audience that were listening to Jesus, not necessarily hanging on the words, but perhaps even getting irritated by the words because it challenged him. See, the scribes and the Pharisees, they needed to know that the level of their obedience was not really what God had asked for. This means that these people needed to receive the grace of God because they were not living to the standard of the law. Now, when Jesus focuses on chapter 5, verse 33 through 37, he's taking and summing up the law from several passages. You can find it in Leviticus 19.12 and Numbers chapter 32 through 16 and Deuteronomy 23 uh, verses 21 to 23 and then Psalm 50, 14. So he summarizes it. He pulls it all together. And he's going to deal with what we call vows and oaths. And sometimes they're interchangeable. There's a little difference between them. They're supposed to follow them, to keep them. I like what Oliver B. Green said, that an oath is a solemn affirmation and a declaration made to appeal to God for the truth of all that is affirmed. In reality, when a man takes an oath, he invites God's vengeance upon himself, and if he fails to tell the whole truth, it goes beyond the truth. God deals with them. So what God is dealing with is, is really the, the nature of this oath, which is important to understand. God is dealing with it. And what is an oath, first of all? It namely is an affirmation. It's a, it's a promise. It's, it's appeal to God's omniscient, God knowing all things, that he will punish for the falsehoods. Yet the people would abuse this time and time again. And look with me in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16. It says, For the men swear by one greater themselves, and with them an oath is given in a confirmation the end of every dispute. Again, Jesus takes up the matter of oaths and honestly, honesty because it's important to him. Of all the people, the believers, the believer's word should be reliable. When people see you and me, they should know that we speak the truth, and we speak the truth in love. We don't lie. We don't, again, dance around the truth. We don't avoid the truth. We speak that truth. But when we think of James, the half-brother of Jesus, he understood it very well. And in the, in the epistle he wrote, James 5.12, notice what it says. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven and earth, or with any other oath, but your yes should be a yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. He says this because the people, they were kind of devious. They were kind of tricksters. So again, Jesus is after dealing with the people. I think his problem started when he created man. I know in my own life that the way my thinking was so irregular, so false. When I became a believer, I realized, wow, I thought so good of myself. I thought I was right. But then when I looked at the standard that God set, it, I fell so short. And see, that's what the law does. It's a, a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So Jesus, when he speaks in verse 33 again, you've heard it heard of the ancients, we're told, 
you shall not make a false vow, but you shall fulfill the vows to the Lord. He quotes again, probably from Leviticus 19.12. Let me read that one time. You shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. See, they were, they were using God's name and say, oh, in the name of the Lord, and yet they were deceitful. They were lying. They were being tricksters. Now, vows and oaths were very common in that period of time. We're going to talk about how that worked, but let me read from Genesis chapter 14, verse 17 through 24. It says, then after his return, well, now what it's focusing on is, again, when Abraham went to rescue Lot and he comes back, and again, the kings who are with them, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley. Again, the king's valley in Melchizedek of Salem brought bread and wine. And now he was the priest of God, the Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, the God of Most High, possessor of the heaven and the earth. And blessed be the God Most High, who has delivered his enemies from your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. And then it says, The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Get the people to me. Take the goods for yourself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread, a sandal throng, anything that is yours, for the fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. See, so it was common that they would use these things. God is going to give us oaths too, and that's important to understand just as well. Look with me in Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man makes a vow to the Lord and takes an oath and binds himself with a binding and obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, God is going to take these vows, these oaths, very seriously. God takes it very seriously when you speak truth, or you speak a lie. In the, in the body of Christ today, sadly, there are many that do not speak truth. They speak out of their side of the mouth, or they speak with a forked tongue, it's been said. If the Jew took an oath, and he took it in the name of the Lord, this is what it's saying, and failed to keep it according to what the Bible said, he profaned the name of the Lord. He misrepresented him. And God will deal with those false oaths. We're his ambassadors, his representatives. So if we go out into the community and we lie, we avoid the truth, we don't deal with it. We are doing the same thing and God will deal with us. It's a loss of rewards for a believer. But I think at that time when God confronts us with these, at that beam of seat, many of us will grieve. Oh, certainly we can confess our sins. He's faithful and just to, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But some make the habit of, of living that way. Now again, as I mentioned, oaths were common. In fact, let's look at, again, Jacob and Laban. His father-in-law called upon God as their witness notice. And when they made the covenant with each other at Mizpah, so they made this covenant together that there would be a peace between them. And then there's David and Jonathan. Likewise, they were coveted together. And we find that in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And then David himself, he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. This is where we need to be careful that if he's saying, if you make a vow to God, you must keep it. 
we intend many times we make a vow we want to intend to keep it but you know you really don't know what tomorrow will bring you don't know whether you'll be able to to fulfill that and sometimes we have to say if God wills but we have to be frank and we have to be honest now obviously the Lord's promises made with the oath were not more truthful or binding anything else no God when he made an oath when the Lord made an oath this is important to understand is not because he's questionable, he's unreliable, but he would make an oath to show them, impress upon them, really the importance and the urgency of the promise. That he's true. And, and sometimes we take things very lightly. And God goes to a, a great extreme. Now, look with me in Deuteronomy 23, verse 21. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for it would be a sin to you, and the Lord your God will surely require it of you. Again, it's just reminds us that God takes this very seriously. Now, it's not important that we always give these things. Now, a vow was mostly voluntarily. I'm going to do this to you, Lord, and then not do it. It makes a person a liar. Look with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 through 6. When you make a vow to God, now remember voluntarily, do not be late in paying, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin. Do not say in the presence of a messenger of God, oh, this was a mistake. Why should God be angry on the count of the voice and destroy the work of your hands? The words that you and I speak are powerful. They're important. It speaks of our character. It speaks of what's going on in our hearts. What he's saying here is the law demanded that people fulfill their vows. You, you decide you want to make a vow to God. If you make a vow, keep it. Or an oath in God's name. And you're putting God's name upon that oath. And then if you do not tell the truth, then you're making God a liar. You're making him, a, a, again, misrepresenting him or taking his name in vain, as it's said. Fail on an oath is really to commit perjury. Look with me in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now certainly we know that we're covered by the work of the cross. We're covered by the blood of the Lamb. But those who practice these things ongoing will not enter the kingdom of God. These, this would be likened to the, what we call the deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. It's important that we take seriously an oath or a vow if we choose to make it. Now, an oath is distorted in their, their culture, and I think it's distorted even today in our culture quite a bit. Now, notice what it says in verse 34. But I say to you, make no oath at all. Now, the question here is, did Jesus forbid oaths? For instance, are we forbidden to take an oath, really, when we go to court and, and they call upon us? to raise our hand in the name of God? Is it a sin to take an oath? And, and yet there are many people today that say, yes, 
and there are many that say no. But it's interesting when we begin thinking about this, when we consider God in the scripture time and time again, he too makes oaths. So if it's wrong, then, then God would be wrong. So let's follow the text and see where it leads us. Look with me in Psalm 89, 34. And this is concerning what David said, My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Once I've sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David, and his descendants shall endure forever. His throne and the sun before me, it shall be established forever like the moon and the witness and the skies are faithful. Did God need to say this? Did God need to give an oath? No. His word should have been enough. But the way people are, we're, we're kind of tricksters. We get around these things. God has to, to do this to get our attention, to draw our attention to it, the seriousness of it, the importance of it. Notice again in Isaiah 45, verse 23, I've sworn by myself. The word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. I will not turn back. That to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. And then in Amos 4.2, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Behold, the days are coming upon you when they will take you away with meat hooks and the last of you fish hooks. So God has used oaths in, in, in a normal situation. God has used oaths in, in a judgment situation. And we know that God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. So why does he use an oath? To get man's attention. Because man, in a sense, is a liar. We live a lie. We're deceitful. We're hypocrites. All of us in some way. We've either been there and maybe moving out of it, or some are still living that same kind of lifestyle. God's trying to show us what the standard should be, that we should be men and women of the word. We must conclude that if it was a sin to, to take an oath, God would never have sworn an oath. But it's how we swear an oath. Why do we swear oath? That's what's important. See, there's several other times in the scripture God sanctions even taking an oath. For instance, God established an oath between two farmers in Exodus 22, 11. An oath before the Lord shall be made by two of them, referring to the farmers. So oaths are permitted. There's a place, there's a time. Because people tend not to be truthful. Oh, they're truthful in some areas, but they pick and choose where they want to speak the truth. Now, there's examples, but these are enough really to show you that Jesus is not forbidding taking the oath. So the question rises, what then did Jesus really mean when we look at the text? If we look at the context, Jesus goes on to explain, but keep in mind that some of the Jewish teachers there, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they had taught that an oath was not binding if it was made in the name of the, the heaven and the earth. They would take it from the, the name of God and apply it to that or even the temple. They would manipulate. They would maneuver around the law. 
They'd maneuver around speaking the truth to people. That's important to understand. This is the context who he's speaking to. Rather, instead of conforming to the law, they, they twisted and conformed it to, to their life, to their standards. They, they would justify why they said what they did. They were guilty in some way. And I know when I was younger, I did the same thing. Maybe you did too. You know, we would take our hands and we would cross our fingers and put them here when we're talking to people or behind our back. We would avoid the, the truth at whatever cost. If a day comes and people say, are you a Christian? And, and off goes your head, yes, you should say you're a Christian. You should always tell the truth because Jesus Christ is the truth. Not to tell the truth is to be opposite of what he is. And if we're to be conformed to his image and likeness, we will be people of truth. We will be like him in every way. And as this child, as a believer, as an ambassador, we should be people of truth. People should look at us and when we say something, they should just know that we're saying the truth. We're going to do what we said. We're going to do the best of our ability. We're not going to commit to something unless we can really do it. See, that's God's way. Now, the Pharisees knew that what the law stated and that you should not swear by it falsely, but they figured a way around the law. They figured that they could swear falsely and not use God's name and get away with it. And there are people today, I know, that do that, avoid the truth. And that's what he's dealing with, the hypocrisy. Jesus is going to deal with this hypocrisy again and again when people commit adultery. Oftentimes they'll find a way to try and justify it in their eyes so they can do it. But in God's eyes, they're in sin. They've broken the law. They're not walking the truth. In fact, in Matthew 23, verses 16 through 22, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, there is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools, blind men. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that has sanctified the gold? And whatever swears by the altar, that's nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he's obligated. You blind men, which is more important than offering or the, the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar, swears both by the altar and by everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple, swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon the throne. See, they were trying to get around it. They're trying to manipulate it. And God said, look, I know what you're doing. You are accountable. When you tell a lie, you're accountable. When we avoid the truth and we tell a lie we tell and even if it's a white lie we're really saying we don't trust god and that's important to understand do you trust god now pharisees said they could make up false oath and by swearing on the temple and they thought they could get away with it but he says no you can't look with me in matthew our text matthew 34 36 let's read it together but I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, 
for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. If swearing is forbidden, why does God use oaths in the scripture again as we looked at? Why, for example, did he say to Abraham, by myself I've sworn and indeed bless you? It's because the, the deceitfulness of the Jewish religious leaders who twisted the words, devoid the truth, devoid honesty. What's important today is that in the pulpits of the churches, they need to teach the truth, the importance of the truth. The example is people are watching our lives in this community, that they can see there's something different about us. And this is why that he calls us to, to speak the truth. We don't need to make an oath. We can, but if you make an oath, you make a vow, keep it. Be true to what you said. Now, the Jews developed this, again, this quite a system of uh, concerning oaths. The idea was no longer... Uh, could, would they take one falsely because they thought they could get around all kinds of oaths? But they thought they could get around it and not have to keep it. But Jesus is making it clear, no, you have to keep it. The Lord, in fact, despised their theological hair-splitting and dishonesty. And now I brought that word, theological hair-splitting, because that's what divides the church. What does God say? If you speak, let it be truth. Don't make an oath. Don't try and get around it if you're not going to be true to it. Now again, and look in verse 37. The oath is really deferred here, but let your statements be a yes, yes, or a no, no. Anything beyond this is really evil, he's saying. Be people that are true. People that are honest, this is important. Live in such a way that we're honest, truthful people in the community. The people say, I've never heard that person tell a lie. Never try and twist it. I never hear the people swearing, telling unbelievable stories. Again, that's what James had caught in James 5.12. We read earlier, but a Above all, all the brethren do not swear either from heaven or earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be a yes, your no a no, so that you may not fall under judgment. There's going to be consequences if you tell a lie. And yet, people today continually justify, well, it's a white lie. And they avoid the truth. I like what commentator William Hendrickson he kind of, his explanation is kind of helpful what we have here in Matthew 5 33 and 37 is the condemnation of a flippant profane uncalled for often hypocritical oath used in order to make an impression upon others in our daily conversation isn't that true the lie is oftentimes to impress people. We don't want people to think less, so sometimes we add to a story. We build it up. 
over against that evil, Jesus commends a simple truthfulness and thought and word and deed. This is what Jesus is looking for is, is truth. And, and truth, it's interesting, stop and think about it, has no degrees and no shades. Half truth is a, is a whole lie. A white lie, it's really black. A lie is a lie. If someone asks you, you, you tell them the truth. God has never had any standard lower than absolute truthfulness. That's what he calls you and me too. Truthful. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and 19, it says there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which is abomination to him. The haughty eyes, the lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood, a, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, and a false witness who utters lies, one who spreads strife among the brethren. That's really where strife gets started. It's usually a, a lie, a twisted truth. And it's not a truth at all. David, in his psalm and repentance, said in Psalm 51, 6, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and is hidden part of you to make known the wisdom. After his sin with Bathsheba, he comes to his senses. He knew that God de desired truth inside his heart. And God desires truth in your heart today, in my heart, each and every day, in fact. Well, there's an interesting illustration I want to kind of share uh, from R.C. Sproul. It was a few years ago in Family Life magazine. They did an article upon the family. The magazine sent reporters to the home. They, they interviewed his wife and him. And, and they took the kids aside. And they asked them all kinds of provocative questions. Has your daddy ever let you down? Oh, can you imagine someone asking that? Have you let your kids down? And he says, my daughter said, yes. <laughs> I had let her down. Her birthday coincided with a conference I attended each year. So I was not at home to celebrate with her. My daughter told the reporter, and every year he promises me that he will be home. But he doesn't keep the promise. And I thought, what, what is so important about speaking at a, at a conference? It would allow him to break a promise to his own daughter. Have you been there? I've been there in circumstances. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And something comes up and we let something else get in the way. And oftentimes we say that knowing we won't and they'll forget about it. God hates that. You know what your kids look like when, when you told them, no, you can't, or you, you can't get out of it. Yes, you can if you want to. We so often twist the truth. We expect our own families to understand, be more acceptable. But sometimes we have to decide really what is important. If our child asks us, can, can we go to Disneyland this week? And we say, well, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see if it works out. But when the time comes and it doesn't work out, they're all upset. And, and even though we hadn't lied, we weren't dishonest, they're still crushed. 
See, when you don't tell the truth, whether it's a child or it's adult, and they find out it's not true, people are crushed. And that's what bothers God, because it hurts people. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This is the word of God. It, it, it's teaching us what's right and what's wrong, how to get right, how to stay right. The little child again says, oh, you promised we'd go to Disneyland. You didn't promise to, to take it to Disneyland. We'll see. We need to be very careful how we handle each and every situation. Sometimes we even need, if it's the kids, to write it down. I was very good at writing notes and, and putting it in the Bible. And when things didn't work out the way, well, we look and we all signed it. We knew. But how many times we don't do that and we just flat out tell a white lie? Ecclesiastes 5.5 says this. It's better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. And this context was bringing money to the Lord. There's a place for taking vows and oaths. And it's important that if we make that vow, we make that oath, that we keep it. We put it as a priority. We remove everything, every obstacle out of the way that we could keep it and be true. Because we're Christians, we should keep our word. Christians should be like Christ. Christ is the, the truth. Our word should not even require a, a handshake. Just when you speak, when I speak, they should, that's enough. Whatever you do, you do it. You do it to the glory of God. Our statement should simply be yes, yes, no, no. Anything beyond that is evil. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Uh, the word, why it's short, it's, it's powerful. All of us are convicted because we've all told lies, twisted the truth, avoided the truth, uh, didn't want to uh, deal with the truth, even avoided meeting people that we didn't have to deal with that. And Lord, we know that that grieves your heart. We know that you want us to be just like you, conformed to the image and likeness, children of truth. People that when they hear us speak, they know that we will do what we say we do. Unlike the world. Lord, let us not be like them. Let us be true to our words. Let us be careful in the words we speak and how we speak them. Because, Lord, we want to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.